Let's talk about movies. This is Kenny from my brain. If you want to talk movies, well, guess what? We on the same thing. You gotta watch, 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 watch this podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today, by Gaspar's hammer, we will be talking about <laughs> Galaxy Quest. But before we get into that uh, and the reasons why we're doing Galaxy Quest, uh, I feel like we need to to wrap up last week's show. Last week, if you missed it, was our Nick Cage special with Victims and Villains, where we each picked a Nick Cage film in honor of the unbearable weight of massive talent. And I am proud to say that this Sunday... I saw the unbearable weight of massive talent and oh boy, do I have, do I have opinions about this movie? Um, I, I need to know. I really need to know. Cause I want to watch this movie so bad. So the, the plot is crazy. The dialogue is insane. <laughs> Nick Cage plays himself and his younger self in this movie. Uh, like he has hallucinations of young Nick Cage, like before Moonstruck, like, oh, so real young, like real young, like Nicholas Coppola, like this is how he's credited. Uh, Nicky Cage, um, the, 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 this movie is (laughs) so insane. I enjoyed every second of it. And I was upset that I missed, I I walked into the theater about five minutes late. So I missed the oh. Oh, the beginning, but it was like, there's nothing I didn't see in the trailer, but mm-hmm. it was so good. The The chemistry between uh, Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal is phenomenal. <laughs> um, and like it, like on paper, it's a mess of a movie, but it works so well because the film knows exactly what it is and ma- has no apologies for it at all. So did he have one of his like classic Nick Cage freakout moments in it? Because I saw a review of it that says that like Nick Cage is wasted in this movie, which makes me feel like they were looking for something very specific and they didn't get it. I think they got exact. I got exactly what I expected from this. Um, Good. At one point, at one point, Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal decided to write a screenplay. And, okay. and Pedro Pascal pulls out a vial of pure inspiration which is just LSD. And <laughs> <laughs> so they both take acid and go into the village and are just paranoid the whole time. So it's like Nick Cage on a j- drug trip. Oh, yep. Okay. That's what I wanted. Um, Never mind. I'm good. But yeah. Are we going to talk about fast times at Ridgemont high? Because that movie has it. He has a Nick, Nick Cage has a brief cameo on it. You know, the, does he the yeah he does yeah the 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 fast times nick cage is kind of what is in um unbearable weight because that's the young template that they used is that nicholas cage so he's at the bar and he's just like uh slight spoiler alert there may be a scene in this movie where nick cage makes out with himself This movie is insane. Um, Perfect. But yeah, I have I, never seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Have you guys? Yes. Yeah, a long time ago. And like, I don't remember Nick Cage in it. That's because you I, saw it a long time ago and you didn't recognize him. And that's exactly it. Uh, yeah, so we'll have to add that to the list for me to watch at some point. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I have on the FBI. The CIA aspect of the movie, it feels weird. Um. I really enjoy. Oh, like, I really enjoy. Is that the plot of the movie? The CIA aspect? Yeah, kinda. Yeah, it's like they they suspect Pedro Pascal kidnapped someone, and so they're yeah. investigating, and so they have Nick Cage spy on him. <laughs> um, Good. Of course they do. But yeah, it, it's it's really fun. Um, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, and that's my high praise for that. Um, oh, that's high praise. Devin, have you watched yes. anything lately? Guys, Better Call Saul's back. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's so, uh, it feels so good. It, I missed it. I missed it so much. 
Um, I didn't realize how much I missed it until I watched it. Now, admittedly, I only watched the first episode. I know that two are now live. I think three is coming sometime this week, maybe Thursday. I, I think it aired here yesterday. Got it. I think I get it either tonight or tomorrow because the way that it drops for me is it drops on Netflix like a day after it goes live on AMC for you guys. Okay. Uh, so I get it weekly, but Oh, it's, it's everything I wanted. It's everything I wanted. I love this show. Ryan, have you seen this? No, no. Have you seen, have you seen breaking bad? Oh, I I love breaking bad. I just didn't really Mm -hmm. care for his character that much to want to watch a show about him. No, you know, I had that too. And I actually got mad when I first heard about this show together because, A, I'm Cynical Devin, and this is just what Cynical Devin's going to do. And I went, oh, great. They're taking a character I didn't really like, and they're making a spinoff show that I'm not going to care about in order to cash in on that sweet, sweet Breaking Bad money after they ended it the way that they ended it. I hate this. And I, like, watched the first couple episodes wanting to just hate everything about it, but it grabbed me by my heart and pulled me in right away. And I love love Jimmy and Saul in this. I think what the show did real quick, Devin, can you pull your mic closer? You seem a little bit distant. Yes, I can do that. Okay. That's much better. I think what, I think what the show does really well, and especially in that first season is introduce you to like Jimmy and not Saul Goodman, Jimmy and, and Chuck, like his brother played by, Oh man, what's his name? He's in so much. Uh, I'm blanking on his name, but um, just his origin story, I think, has been fascinating the whole way through. Um, and the and the, they've gotten more into like the Breaking Bad aspect of things with Gus coming in and Mike, mm-hmm. and I'm really interested to see how this final season plays out. Um, because I've seen the first episode of this new season. The AMC app is acting up for me, so I can't watch episode two. Uh, I think they just want me to sign up for AMC Plus, and I'm trying not to. But it it, it might happen now that I have two episodes I want to watch. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really excited for the show. I'm so glad that uh, Bob Odenkirk is uh, well, because he yes. did suffer a heart attack on set when they were filming it for this season. Um. I'm really excited to see how it all folds into with Breaking Bad because Devin, do you know who's coming in this season? I heard that that the two leads are coming in. Yeah, Walt and Jesse Duke show up this season. I'm almost disappointed that I know that. And I like told people this and they go, Well, of course they're gonna show up, Devin. Why wouldn't they? And I'm like, Yeah, but don't tell me. Like yeah. surprise me. Yeah. Uh like I'm really curious how they show up. Like, does Jimmy just uh audit one of uh heisenberg's classes in high school like what (laughs) my i mean my like perfect ending to this movie is that like or not movie the series is that like the last shot of the last episode is walt walking in on him and saying like i need help or i need advice and then it like cuts to black because we all kind of get where it goes from there like that's where i see it going okay but devin just on this first episode rhea seahorn deserves all of the awards She's wonderful. Oh yeah. I love her. That's another like like her story now too is like, where's it going? Because you never see her in Breaking Bad. You never hear mention of her. So nervous. Um Yeah. I'm really excited to see where the show goes. Devin, I don't know what's going on with your mic, but you still sound far off. I don't know. I don't know if it's your audacity settings or what. Or your not audacity, uh Discord. Uh, while, while you figure that out, yeah, Ryan, have you watched anything besides baseball? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, um, uh, inside eats with uh Rhett and link. Um, Kristen's a huge fan of them and watches literally everything and listens to everything that, uh, that they do. Um, so she showed me that they were going to be doing this a few weeks ago. And then she had me watch the first episode with her, which I mean, it's, it, it's, for the cynical out there, it's basically just kind of like a Chipotle infomercial, to be honest. But it's Rhett and Link, so they're allowed, you know, they do their own little crazy, nutsy things with it. It was very entertaining. Um, it was funny. They were trying to 
uh, find if there was a link between like a person's personality and their Chipotle order. And is, so is the answer no. Um, no, they came away undecided because <laughs> they use Chipotle office workers as like templates of like trying to get to know them and then trying to like guess what they would eat. And they got all of their orders wrong. So you, it's just the way that it goes with them. But it's interesting. It's fun. I'm definitely going to continue watching it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's pretty much I'm kind of a newer fan of them anyway. So, so is, are you actually a fan of them? Yeah, I mean, I am. I don't watch their stuff as much as Kristen does. But mm-hmm. yeah, like I don't shy away from I, whenever I see their content. I watch it all the way through. I'm. It baffles me that Rhett and Link are still around because they're one of the few YouTubers that I knew from back in the like YouTube's like infancy that is that are still around and creating content. Because I was introduced to them on a show by the Fine Brothers, who are no like who are disowned by YouTube completely now. Wow. Um. But like it was a Lost parody. Like that's how long ago. Like Lost was still on, and they were making Lost parodies, um, with Good Red and Link. Uh, but I I like some of the stuff that I've seen from them. I I, I check out Good Mythical Morning here and there. Uh, so is Inside mm-hmm. Eats a YouTube show or is it? I think it's on Hulu. Uh, I remember I asked her like two hours ago what uh, what service we watched it on, but we watched it on the uh, on the smart TV, so mm-hmm. it, it had to have been Hulu. Okay. It, yeah, but um, but yeah, it's pretty much them being themselves. They were talking to like the head chef at Chipotle, and you know they actually went to one, and it's their normal gimmicks and skits. It's just it's around food, so and it's it, it's fun. Mm-hmm. So is each episode a different restaurant then? I think so. Okay. Um, oh, good. Yeah, I, I think each 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 episode is them going to like a different restaurant or a different. Uh, I mean, it's still new, and all I know about this show is what I saw the first episode and like a teaser mm-hmm. they did like a few weeks ago. So I'm going to assume this is what they're going to be doing. And you know what? If they're going to get paid to just do their stick in in like corporate kitchen offices i'm fine with that i don't care i'll watch it <laughs> okay is is it controversial to say that the jump from youtube to like mainstream television is a very hard one to make and like not wonder if they're doing well not for them not for them because i think they've been doing this for so long and the sure. fact that they've established themselves as just pure entertainers that mm-hmm. this is it like i said they do their own stuff i mean their yeah. own stuff they're still doing the same jokes they always do they're still running into, you know, the, the, their gimmicks. It's just they're doing it around food. So which fair. makes it kind of, which makes it kind of funnier in a way. I mean, to be fair, like the episodes that they focus around food of Good Mythical Morning are the ones yeah. I like the most. Yeah. So yeah. I, I feel like I would like this. Yeah. So it I highly recommend. Devin, you're going to kill me. Like, I don't know what's going on with, I don't know if it's on my is, end or your end. You you sound better now, but your mic is too close. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah. back up then. That's yeah. fine. Um, better is good. Close yeah. is fixable. Yeah. How about now? Better? Yeah. Sounds good. good. I'll fix it in post. I just hope it's okay hey, no for the stream. Um, let us know how we sound because I'm paranoid, evidently. Yeah, let us know. I'm running on like four hours of sleep today, so. Uh, I have something else before we watch this, but uh, it actually has to do with our main topic, so I'm going to save that for later. Uh, I hope I know what it is because I, I need I, to know. I hope you. I hope. I think you do. I think I do. Um, so let's get into t- tonight's main topic. Uh, this week's show is uh, a film that all three of us have seen before, and we're going to get into why that is and why we're breaking the rules. But this week's pick is 1999's Galaxy Quest, st- starring Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver. Alan Rickman, Sam Rockwell, Tony Shalhoub, and a whole bunch of other people whose name I, names <laughs> I just I, that's as many as I could get off at the top of my head. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so Galaxy Quest is a film that all three of us have, have watched before, um, and if if you're new to the show, uh, usually what we do and what we've done for the last six years because we've been doing this for that long. Every week we do a film that one of us has never seen. That's the whole point of the show is introducing ourselves to new movies and we talk about them. I got to pick this one because uh, I won our Oscar pool. And the the 
reward for that was get to pick any movie. Doesn't matter if anyone, if no one has seen it, it we can watch a movie that all of us have seen. And then mm-hmm. after some debate, uh, I had my choice. And then I realized we were supposed to do this on first contact day back at the beginning of the month. And oh, then, right. and then I got sick and we had to push it. So here we are now celebrating my Oscar win. Uh, I'd like to thank the Academy um, <laughs> and uh, Chris Rock. <laughs> oh, oh, um, no, and, it's not. But but not Amy Schumer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, of all the names I could have mentioned right now who are in the news, that that could have done a lot worse than that. Um, Absolutely, could have. But yeah, so this film. Um, I don't remember the first time I've seen this. I think it was on like HBO back in like 2001, but I, I, this is one of my favorite films, I think. Um, and I, and I'll, I'll elaborate on that a little bit more later, but I, I, I don't think I saw this in theaters, but I absolutely adore this film. Uh, this was my introduction to Alan Rickman because this came out before oh. Harry Potter. So when Harry Potter came out, it was like, Oh my gosh, the guy from galaxy quest. <laughs> where everyone else is like that's hans gruber um but yeah this is my intro- introduction to alan rickman and sam rockwell maybe even sigourney weaver like i, I think the only person i knew going into this movie was, was tim allen when i saw it the first time oh wow yeah um but yeah so I'm curious, what are your guys' earliest memories of Galaxy Quest since we've all seen it before? <laughs> Mine's probably gonna be boring, so I'll go first. To be honest, I've seen this on TBS, like or like whatever station would play it. I probably watched it through once, thought it was fine. I thought it was funny that Tony Shaloub, that guy from Monk, was on it. Uh and and that's that's really my history with it. I I'm not too much of a Trekkie, so like I like the idea of it a lot, but like if there are any like inside references to Star Trek or the fandom or the culture, I don't really know and didn't connect on that level. I just thought it was a fun movie. I also had people in my life that like had weird rules about not allowing Tim Allen movies in the house. So like I would just got in situations where I just wasn't allowed to watch Tim Allen in some in some houses. Let's put a pin in that. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to that later because I'm intrigued. Good. Ryan, how about you? So, going into this movie when I was uh, when I was younger, like I didn't see it in theaters. I don't believe I saw it in theaters. Um, mm-hmm. But this ended up being not just one of my favorite movies uh, in like the early 2000s, but my dad's favorite movie too for a while. So mm-hmm. we watched this a lot. Um, and I mean, obviously, I knew Tim Allen from Full House. Not Full House, Home Home Improvement. Right, I knew Tim right. Allen from Home Improvement. Um, I I knew Shaloub from the show Wings of all things. Wow. Um, I knew Weaver from Thank You from <laughs> you know the Alien movies, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, and I'd seen the next some of the next gen movies, so I got some some of the references to it. And this is just one of my favorite sci-fi films. In fact, I have this Blu-ray and there's like certain Blu-rays that we have like out that. So like when we open up the gate on our like uh, TV stand thing, like there's a bunch of Blu-rays sitting there. And this Blu-ray sits right in between all of the Star Wars movies I have, which is all of them. And it's. It sits in between them and my Star Trek movies. <laughs> so it's wow. right there with the main two. Um, because it, it, as far as I'm concerned, it's it's really for both franchises. So I'm going to want to unpack that a bit later as well. Okay. Um, so, Devin, I have a question for you. And I'm curious. Yeah. Because I feel like Ryan knows the answer since he owns this. What 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 rating does this movie have? Do you know? If you had to guess, what was this movie rated? Oh my god, probably a PG. Can yeah, it's PG. Is it a PG? It's okay. PG. Um 
Here's I, why I think it's PG. Okay. Can I say why I think it's PG? Yes. There is a part in the movie. I don't know how. I don't know if this is a thing. There's a part in the movie where very clearly Sigourney Weaver says the F word. Mm-hmm. And it they like, and not even like subtly, just dub it over with the word like suck or something like yeah. that. Like screw. you don't even do it's a good screw. job of it. Yeah. Is it screw? Yeah. yeah. It's so badly done. It distracted me for a while. There's a reason behind that. Okay. Uh, the studio interfered and made them make this movie PG. Um, oh. So in the editing room, they cut a lot of the swearing and everything, and it still worked. Mm-hmm. I'm going out on a limb and saying, this is probably the, the most entertaining PG film that I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Okay. Because I can't think of any others that I've seen. Like this definitely beats any Nickelodeon film I've ever seen because it, because it's PG. And what I think is fascinating about it is it doesn't just cater to kids. It's just, it's a film that the marketing was made for kids, but it, um, it just works as a solid film without the swearing. Like you, like it doesn't need to be PG 13. It works the way it is. Um, they dubbed that line poorly because one, they didn't think they were going to have to change it. And two, like it just made it funnier for the adults in the room. Um, and there, there is like in the chat, uh, friend of the show, Josh is saying, uh, there's a, the urban legend of the R rated galaxy quest. Is there one of these? I believe there is. There's, I know there's the footage for it. So, which we'll get into a little bit later. But um, so, Ryan, what are some of your favorite moments from this as a Trekkie? Like, what are your favorite <laughs> allusions to the Star Trek franchise in this? Um, one, the the homage to the way that the fight scenes worked uh, when it came to the uh, like rock monster and the two legged snarling pig thing. Yeah. Um, so like the way that, you know, uh, that William shot uh, that William Shatner would fight the way that he would roll around. So you, so, I mean, you have that. Um, and the, the craziness of like the actors having to actually fill out the jobs on the ship and how truly ridiculous they realize that like, you know, this isn't supposed to work this way. Like this is not the way it's supposed to go, but, but, but unfortunately, because this race of, you know, more advanced creatures came a- came across our show and made it work this way, we have to kind of do it, even though this is absolutely nuts. So it- it's that whole idea mixed yeah. with like, you know, like them landing on the shuttle and going, is there air out there? You don't know. And then <laughs> Shalhoub going, it's good. It's good. <laughs> we need your help. um devin how about you like i know you're not a huge star trek guy but is there anything Mm -hmm. in here you're like okay i can see what they're making fun of there i think i caught i caught the role because i i think i know that like that he just does like the role and that he was like i don't know why i need to do this it's effective or something like that and i thought that was really funny uh a lot of it seemed just very like trek adjacent if not exactly trek like I feel like the whole, like, them being on a desert planet fighting a rock monster has to be an episode of, like, the next generation, like, ripped whole cloth. And if it's not, it should be or should have been. Um, or not the next generation, sorry, the, the original one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there was, like, a lot of, of things that I felt were very similar to it, but I wasn't entirely sure. Now, I have a quick admission uh, here. Ryan gave me homework, and I did my homework. Okay. Um, I watched... I watched three episodes of Star Trek. I watched one of the original series and watched two Next Generation. And at some point, I would like to talk about the connections because I saw a few after watching this. Yeah. Or after watching them, I went, oh, that's what they that, were going for. Great. Perfect segue. Yeah. What were the three episodes you had him watch, Devin, or Ryan? And uh, give us like so, a, a brief one-sentence summary of what the episode is. Okay. Uh, so the one from TOS was the arena, and that's the mm-hmm. one where Kirk has to fight the Gorn. Um with the lizard, the, guy? The lizard man yeah. yeah so it's that one and i picked that one because it's in the desert and it's the whole like craziness of like trying to outsmart your you know adversary yeah um, that one 
Yeah, uh, the next one, I cannot remember the name of it right now, but I think it's like a, a season two, episode 18, the time loop one. It's the one with Frasier. Yeah, it was... Oh, okay. Con- it was like effects and causes or something like that, or causes and effects. Yeah. Cause and effects, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that one the crew of the enterprise gets stuck in a time loop and they slowly realize it and they have to mm-hmm. send a message ahead so that they can avoid the problem and save futuristic Frasier from death for the <laughs> one billionth time. Um, real, real quick then, before I forget, yeah. I need to send you a TikTok that I found that I think is right up your alley, Ryan. Uh, it's, okay. it's grunge Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very interesting it's um, just yeah. some guy took like snapshots of fraser and did all of the voices and is just talking about rock bands in the early 90s in seattle it's there phenomenal that's okay that is right in my alley okay. you brought up fraser um, i had to bring it up yeah and then i did another episode that was just mm-hmm. for silly purposes just because i it, it's one of my favorite um mm-hmm. and it's called up the long ladder which yep. is where the Enterprise saves a a lost human um, outpost or civilization uh, that is truly based off like an Irish village from like 120 years ago. And another civilization that was from that original group where it's just a bunch of clones. Mm-hmm. Um, and they force them to like help each other out. <laughs> Um, and it's just a silly episode, so that's why I picked that one. I, I good. You, I got confused there for a second when you said Irish society on another planet, and thought you made him watch the other Irish episode of Star Trek: Next Generation. We are going to do that one on its own because okay. Devin's and we're gonna not going to say like we're not going to say what happens. We're not going to say yeah, what no. happens with the with the the sexy space ghost. Um, yeah, no, no, we're not going to. Yeah, exactly. I can't. I literally yeah. can't wait. You're going to um, eat therapy after that episode. I guarantee it. So <laughs> if I so if I were to give you a few any any homework for this to understand uh-huh. any jokes in this, it's I'd have one assignment for you and it mm-hmm. would be for one moment in the film. And it's Star Trek, the motion picture. And it's okay. one of my favorite moments of the film is when they all get on the sh- on the on the bridge for the first time and they have to fly out of the spaceport. The 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 long shots of the spaceport are such an important thing in Star Trek movies for some reason. Mm-hmm. And Star Trek the motion picture is the most guilty of this. Uh it will just stay on the ship moving slowly for like too long. Like it suffers from what I call 2001 syndrome. Makes and, sense. But the like having that image in your head and then seeing them just scratch the side a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and like their reactions to it like tim allen just like uh, like yeah <laughs> makes that scene so much funnier um and beyond that i think just having a, a base knowledge of like the different roles like knowing who spock is yeah uh, yeah um if it makes I, you feel any no, better like- uh, I knew enough about Star Trek to when I watched the arena, I texted Ryan right away and said, the logistics of this away mission make me mad because they brought along three science officers and one security guard. Why did they do this? So like, I know enough as I got that Star message. Trek. And as soon as I got that message and I read it, he, he said another one that said, oh, the red shirt died. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I mean, I know enough about Star Trek and the lore to like understand it. And like, I actually, the one thing I did like was when Sam Rockwell was freaking out where he's like, I don't even have a last name. You don't even know my last name. I thought I was going to die on the ship. Now I'm going to die down here. Like, I thought that was funny. Okay. Let's talk about Sam Rockwell because this movie is stacked with talent. Yes. He's kind of the newcomer of this group at this point, but he holds his own to Sigourney Weaver and Alan Rickman and Tony Shalhoub. Like, he's such a essential part of this movie and i can't picture it with anyone else in that part well it, it, it it's what shaloub said uh told him to to finally calm him down like you're just the pucky comic relief <laughs> that's yeah. why it works so well. <laughs> and he's good at that mm-hmm. <laughs> the only thing i think of that this is missing from a sam rockwell performance is i don't know if he dances at all in this 
No, I don't think uh, he does. Kind of. He kind of uses his dancing skills uh, when he's talking about like sacrificing himself for the greater goods, so that, so that the other people can escape. Because he's like he's holding the gun, then he shifts over here, then he shifts over there, then he spins around. So I mean, he kind of uses his dancing skills in that scene. Okay. I like to think there's a full dancing scene in the R-rated cut, which, by the way, I'm now obsessed with and want more than I wanted the Snyder cut. Yeah. Um, well, I know a bit about the history of this movie. I'm going to I'm going to get into this a little bit because I feel like this is a, a perfect segue. I want um, to. So. On Amazon, there is a documentary called Never Surrender, a Galaxy Quest documentary. Mm. Um, which goes into the history of the film, the production interviews, the cast, the filmmakers, um, different celebrities who have been involved with Star Trek and other nerd culture things. Hmm. Um, so you get, you get Sigourney Weaver, you get Tim Allen, you get the directors, you get Tony Shalhoub for a bit, Sam Rockwell, Justin Long. Those are the names you get. You get the director, the writer, uh, production design, all of those people. Then you get Greg Berlanti, who is behind The Flash and the Arrow, and Arrow on the CW, all of those shows. Uh, Damon Lindelof, who wrote Lost and produced Star Trek in 2009. Um, Will Wheaton, who was on Star Trek Next Generation. Hmm. Brent Spiner, um, who plays Data on Star Trek. Um And you get people who are in Star Trek saying in this documentary, like, why didn't we do that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But this documentary is if you want to learn more about where they were coming from with this film, like as a love letter to fandom in the late 90s um, and like just the history of the film, like the original director for this was Harold Ramis. What? And he left and they almost like Harold Ramis did not want Tim Allen to play the captain. Oh, weird. And they list a bunch of names that could have been the captain, uh, including Alec Baldwin. Um, there were other ones. Now I'm blinking. <laughs> um, Nick Cage. Is it Nick Cage? No. Um, uh-huh. Alec Baldwin was the big one. I was like, I could maybe see that. I can see it too. Um, but it was a really interesting, like Harold Ramis left. So they brought in this director to take mm-hmm. over and like the film became what it was because they came about it with a whole different perspective of like not wanting it to just be making fun of these people and this, like the fans, like it's a tribute to everyone who loves this stuff. And I think that's part of the reason this film works so well is because it's a, it's a love letter to fandom. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's, it does show, especially in the beginning, it shows like the weird kind of animosity towards like fandoms that the actors have, especially through Alan Rickman's character. And it's always interesting to me to see how it changes and how like, literally last night before I watched this movie, I was having a chat with my sister and, and my wife about how fandoms are just awful. I mean, we were specifically discussing Star Wars and Rick and Morty and and My Little Pony and those types of things. And we're like, we hate fandoms. And like this movie was such a nice kind of counterpoint to that. Um, I think you guys are in the Trek fandom more than I am. Is this kind of what the Trek fandom is like? Like it's all like pretty decent people and, and nobody's like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, nobody's like... Ever badges. In, in my version of Star Trek, it wouldn't... Captain, this thing happened, and I would have written Kirk differently. Like, is it no, like it that? happens. It happens. Oh, does see, it? See, the thing, the problem is that in every fandom, you're going to have those people that take it, as far as I'm concerned, one step too far. Sure. And where that, where, where that happens for me is mm-hmm. when somebody will just not be able to contain themselves. Mm-hmm. around someone else who says they like the same thing mm-hmm. but has a different opinion about something and they just can't be like well why would you think that only an idiot would take it that way 
Sure. That's where my line of between, you know, positive fandom and toxic fandom lies. And I understand that there needs to be a tiny bit of gatekeeping when it comes to some stuff, just because of like where like the center of things are. But at the same time, it's like, who cares if someone looks at Star Trek and says, hey, this is just a giant dream of Picard, like Picard's in a coma and the entire next gen is just him dreaming. Like, fine. If you want to believe that, I don't care. Oh, man. Is that a, uh, is that a theory? No, it's not. It's just oh. something I came up top of my head. It's something I came up. I don't know if gatekeeping something that I, I do agree with there, Ryan. Um, well, well, no, no, no. Okay. Prior. No, no, no. I just I just I just want to get this out there. Okay. Correctly. Huh? I hate gatekeeping. I do. Mm-hmm. Okay? Truly, truly, truly do. But at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, it's one of those things where if someone believes somehow mistakenly that Picard was not a captain and he was a senior officer and they're like, he was a senior officer, but like, he was a captain. That's what I'm talking about. Because okay. I've been, because that, because Okay, that is gatekeeping. Gatekeeping to a point. I'm not talking I, about you know. I, like, I wouldn't say that's gatekeeping. That's just fact checking. Uh, gatekeeping yeah. is more like uh, you're you're you like you like Ray saying she's a Skywalker, so therefore the rest of your opinions are invalid. Um, or like, oh, you like Star Wars? Name every clone. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's this. You know, that's that part of the fandom has always existed yeah. in both mm-hmm. fandoms. Stuff like that's always existed. It's just it's more pronounced now because of the Internet. Mm-hmm. But that's fair. at the same time, like as far as I'm concerned. Gatekeeping covers almost everything when it comes to getting the facts straight. Yeah. Where it goes astray is when it stops being about facts and it starts being about opinion. And that's where it goes wrong. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I've, I've been seeing a lot of mixed reviews. On, not the place to go for, for safe opinions, but Reddit has a lot of mixed reviews on Picard this season. But I'm enjoying it, uh, and I don't let them get me down. Like, sure, it has issues, yeah. but I still I still enjoy it. Um, I'm more I think it's really all that matters. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. let, like, is The Rise of Skywalker a great film? No. Do I enjoy parts of it? I think so. I haven't watched it in a while, but I still <laughs> own it. And not just because I'm a completionist, but like, I, I like I maybe this week, like I think, I think for the, for May the 4th next week, yeah. I will probably watch rise of Skywalker again for the first time. And perfect. Three, two and a half years. Movie is that that's old gross. already. Oh man. That's gross. Don't do that. That's, Don't bring not, years not, into this. that's not as gross as the thing we're doing next week, uh, which we're not going to talk about. Oh no! You know what it so, is. We talked about it in the chat earlier. Oh, oh, then yeah, okay, yeah. No, that it's is not. That's not. It's it's pretty gross, but it's not like gross, gross. It's more yeah. like more like we're just getting old. I don't um, want to talk about it. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. These things happen. <laughs> um, so Devin, you, you, yes. you said before about you wanted to talk about things that you saw connections between the episodes you watched and then, yes, and then the movie, and. And that's why I had you watch those episodes. So what did you see that kind of changed your perspective the second time around? So, I mean, the, the fight scenes, I can definitely see more of where they're coming from. I knew, th- like, I knew about the fight scene in the original series with the lizard guy. Um, yeah. But I've, I mean, it's iconic. Like, everybody knows that he goes to a desert planet and fights him. I didn't know everything that made up that scene. And that was really nice. And it was nice to see all that in action. I think I don't know any direct connections between the, the cause and effect one and this and Galaxy Quest and would love for you to fill in that gap for me. But I liked the whole like problem solving. I mean, here's the thing about Star Trek is every time I watch an episode of it, I mean, I've only watched what people recommend. So I'm guessing I'm getting the good bits. There's always parts of it where I'm like, that's very interesting. Some parts of it might be weirdly executed, but <laughs> very interesting. Like I... For example, I messed up or Netflix messed up the order. And you said, you know, watch, my goodness, it was like season one, episode 18 of the original series. Season one, episode 18 was actually episode Shore Leave for me on Netflix, which is the one where they go to the planet and you start seeing the Alice in Wonderland bunnies. And I went, what am I watching? (laughs) 
That's the one with the dog with the, the cardboard cone on its head, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah and it's I'm such like, a weird I'm episode. Like, look, I'm like, look, I guess I get it. I get the premise. I think it's very yeah. cerebrally interesting, but I'm also watching this. Yeah, no, the um, the cause and effect one, mm-hmm. it was simply, I wanted you to see that, yes, temporal distortion, time travel is done in episodes. That's Fair. all that was supposed that to that's be. That's that was supposed. Yeah, that, that, that and I wanted you to get used to, like, seeing the characters in their roles. Mm-hmm. And so... And that's why I did the first episode was very connected to the movie. And then the mm-hmm. next two episodes was pretty much just like, well, this is loosely connected, but at least then he'll see like this person always does this. And this yeah. person always has this to say. <laughs> and, and, you know, the one thing I did catch is especially in the next generation, you had the absurd usage usage of controls in it. Where yeah. like at one point he has to like, I don't know, essentially Google something. I think Spock is doing and he's just over, like, hovering over keyboard, just doing this to it. I'm like, what are you typing, man? They're just numbers in this. I th- okay. like, Next Gen or Original Series? Because I think you meant Data instead of Spock. I absolutely meant Data instead of Spock. Absolutely, <laughs> I did. I, that, it's that great be, that I can, that can pinpoint that based on, like, the yeah. way you were talking about him using the controls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so, I mean, I, I definitely get that connection. Yeah. Okay, uh, so I found the, the list of actors who also were considered by Harold Ramis. Um, okay. Steve Martin, <gasps> which could have been good. Yeah. I, I don't know if he has the gravitas to do like the Shatner stuff that Tim Allen pulls off in this, but the other actor that could, I would absolutely love to see this at this version of galaxy quest, Kevin Klein. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I could see that one too. In the, the underwear du- model. It was a joke, 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 joke. <laughs> in the documentary, uh, they talk about um, they, they're talking to Sigourney Weaver, and they're they're listing off the actors who could have played Tim Allen's part, and they're like, "Oh, another one of your co co stars, Kevin Klein," and she just looks and she's like, "That'd have been fun." <laughs> <laughs> um, but Tim Allen, like, just to talk about him a little bit, he's a big sci-fi fan and um he brought a lot of passion into this like they showed a lot of his collection in this documentary of things that he has ryan i feel like you would go crazy in his office Uh and i feel like you should watch i'm not going to tell you what he has in his collection but i will say it's from one of your favorite movies and maybe one that you have a poster of right behind you um wow (laughs) but I think he does a great job in this and Tim Allen's not like it, I'm hard just I'm hard bent to s- name a Tim Allen film that I like. That's not the Santa Claus or Toy Story or Galaxy <laughs> Quest. Like there's not much else going on in Tim Allen's career. Like I never really got into to the last man standing. I grew up on home improvement. Um, He's no longer Buzz uh-huh. Lightyear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah uh is he okay so i i need you guys to answer this for me then so i'm gonna unpin what you had pinned alan is is tim allen like a a not good guy so the story behind this is i was at somebody's house um i i won't specifically name names so i was at somebody's house and i wanted to watch i don't know why i did i really wanted to watch jungle to jungle okay for okay. some reason. That's and I was told explicitly, we do not watch Tim Allen movies in this house. I will not put that man on my television. If you want to watch that, you go home and you watch that in your own time. It will not show up here. What what year was this? This had to have been 20... It had to have been 2002, 2003, maybe. Okay. Sometime around then. I- it had to been early 2000s. I know he had some run-ins in the law with the law in the seventies. I know he was arrested for cocaine possession and there is a mugshot of Tim Allen out there that looks like he's from the seventies and arrested <laughs> for cocaine possession. Uh, beyond that, I can't think of anything like nowadays, maybe some of the political stuff that he's done. Um, but yeah, I can't think of anything that very specific. Okay, that makes um, me feel a lot better then. Yeah, I mean, 
all I know about Tim Allen personally, because to be like everything I know about celebrities is accidental. I, I, I never sure. search out this type of stuff. I mean, um, I do, uh, I do know that him and Ben Stein are kind of, of, of like similar minds <laughs> on stuff. Um, so like, uh, th- that joke in Bojack, you know it from Bojack. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I knew it before Bojack, oh, but sure. I also knew from that joke in, uh, um, in Bojack where in like 1992, his one girlfriend mm-hmm. got stuck talking to him and, you know, to Tim Allen and Ben Stein about taxes yeah. and stuff like that. Like that's, you know, that's all I really know about his personal life. I just Googled Tim Allen 2002 and I got a movie that he was in and that's it. Like I Joe somebody. Anything. Uh, <laughs> Big Trouble. Uh, they're about the same movie. <laughs> I, I figured. I figured it was a long shot. If I, but if I got that right, I would just walk off the show. Um, you you were one year off, by the way. Two thousand one. Yeah, two thousand one. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to Google. Yeah, no, that's when that's when Joe somebody was. Um, so we know that makes me feel better. It makes me feel yeah. like I was just a jerk then. So I'm gonna say something about Sigourney Weaver that uh, I haven't said about her on this show before. Do it. I lo- I really like her in this. She <laughs> like, that's all I have to say about that. Like, <laughs> yeah, I like her part though. I, I like the joke, mm-hmm. like the joke of, I have one job on this ship. It might be stupid, but I'm going to do it. That's something that I say to my wife constantly. Like whenever I'm being stupid, I'm like, I have one job on this ship. It might be stupid, but I'm going to do it. Um, I'm doing it. I'm repeating the stupid computer. I'm doing. That's one one line from this movie that we quote all the time. The other one is occasionally when I one of us gets up to leave the room and the other says, "Where are you going?" I'll just turn around and be like, "To see if there's a pub." <laughs> Oh, I love that one too. Do you guys have any favorite lines from this? Alan or Ryan, what do you think? No, oh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm stalling. I was waiting for you for some reason. No, I don't I'm, know why. I'm stalling. But it, I mean, I, I've got. There's too many because almost every scene in this, th- 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 there's a perfect line, but, and it's not really a line. It's a sound. And it's when, oh, I forget the actor's name. We were just talking about him. He screams after being sent to Sam Rockwell, the, the, the Sam Rockwell. He screams after like Tim Allen comes into the room and he just, ah, because they were so pent up and like what just happened. And it was mm-hmm. just, and it, the best part is if you watch it, Sigourney Weaver jumps. I do not think she was expecting him to yell no. because she physically like jumps like she was, you know, startled by him screaming. So that whole scene to me is perfect. I, and that's my favorite line is just the yell. That's, <laughs> a, that's such a perfect scene to like introduce them to this new world that they're in. And then you have Tony Shalhoub like, what's their problem? Let's go. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, so that's that ties into my favorite line then is during the first time that they're fighting the bad guy, I forget his name, they go through the minefield and they keep like pushing the engines more and more and more. Uh, they switch over to Tony Shalhoub down by the engines and Tony Shalhoub's line, if you were in any Star Trek movie or any science fiction movie, is to scream about, you're pushing it too hard. It can't take anymore. But Tony Shalhoub, you're... Uh, Push the engine a little bit too hard. The engine, it's a little bit. Uh, we can't the guys, this. Yeah, yeah. And he's the guys so, down here are saying, uh, yeah. we may want to back it off a little bit." Yeah, and he's so <laughs> like deadpan about it. I'm like, "What a good choice." Well, the, I mean, the burst is meant for short burst, not to hold it down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that. To me, like, I love the reactions that they had to have one person who was just so into the experience that like at that moment, they didn't care if they were going to die because of the experience that they're having. Like there's no way to top this. So he's just going to be like, I die here. And now I'm fine with that. (laughs) Like like that, 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 like that was pretty much his personality going into it. And I love the love affair that they spark between him and the one alien, because that whole thing is just perfect. 
I, it is. And I also feel like I know that the actor that plays that alien and I can't. Oh, she's in a lot of stuff. Like she, she was in a lot of stuff that was in the nineties. Okay. And also the early two thousands. Like she had a certain look. I believe she's oh, the sister-in-law or the ex sister-in-law in bringing down the house. I don't know if I've seen bringing down the house. Oh, so I was right. That was Justin Long that played the nerd. Yes. Okay, good. I'm glad yeah. I got him. Ooh, yeah, I can't. Wait, which her. which actress are we talking about? The one that that uh, Tony Shalhoub falls in love with. Oh, Missy Pyle. Missy Pyle. She was in she, Dodgeball. She was in yeah. She was in Dodgeball. Oh, and the artist in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Clicking and up, and she was the sister. I believe she was a sister law in bringing down the house. Probably. Yeah. Um, other noteworthy uh, appearances in this: Rain Wilson. Yeah. Oh, young Dwight is wonderful. Who would have been in it more had he not booked a pilot on NBC? Is uh, that how that worked? Yeah, because he just kind of oh. disappears halfway through the movie. Oh, he does. Yeah. Huh. Um. We mentioned Justin Long. Um, Which his depiction of a crazy, you know, fan is just spot on. And that's and that's one of the reasons why I said before that this does good for both the Star Trek and Star Wars fandom. Mm -hmm. And Devin, I know you said something about you wanted to, like, uh, pick that apart a little bit. Why? What about the fan about like his his part in it? Well, I mean, before when I said that to me, this movie fits for both Star Wars and Star Trek. Uh, yeah, just just Star Trek he, he was the link between them for you. Like yeah, he fandom. was. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I mean, I've met Star Wars fans that obsessive about it. And I've met mm-hmm. Star Trek fans that obsessive about it. And so that's where, like, I mean, this movie was almost made as a love letter for Star Trek. But... Mm-hmm the way that they depict fandom is so universal that, I mean, that could also be like for season ticket holders, the majority of old pro sports teams have some type of convention before the season. And they have Mm -hmm. like a stage where they talk to the manager and the owner and they go over things for, you know, like the season ticket holders, like a banquet or something. They do the same thing. Yeah. So like, it's pretty much a universal fandom thing. And this movie just hits it right in the right spot. I can definitely see that. Also, before we keep going, I have to ask a very serious question, Alan. Yes. What is that behind you? This? The book. The book? Okay. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I found this shopping in a comic book store. It is called Galaxy Quest The Journey Continues. What? Uh, This was published in... I haven't read it yet. I wanted to. I just never got around to it. It's published in 2015. Um, wow. and I believe it takes place after the movie, um, cause I think they still play themselves, uh, and I were pulled back out cause, cause Saren's on oh, the cover. Oh, Saren is on it. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I'll have to read it, but there what I, I want to bring, bring it down a little bit because we've been talking a lot about the movie and how much we enjoy it. There was a moment back in 2015, probably around the time that book was being published, uh, where there was going to be a sequel to Galaxy Quest. There was going to be an Amazon television show and everyone had signed on. But then Alan Rickman passed away. Oh. Oh, now I'm sad. So that kind of put a pin in it and they, there were rumors that they're going to bring it, like try to do it without him mm-hmm. which i don't think any of them want to do but th- it might happen um but he's such a big part of this movie like i don't know like you can't recast um like about the only person you can recast him with and get away with would be like patrick stewart but i think he, he at this point he's too old to do it um but yeah so that there was a moment where that was going to happen wow. and they talk about that a bit in the documentary like Sam Rockwell talks about how excited he was that he had scenes with Alan Rickman in it. And 
the uh, the actor who plays the alien who dies in his arms talks about the last time he saw him a few months before he passed and he wasn't looking well and he told them that he had a stroke and had to cancel projects but really he was just hiding the fact that he was dying um which i remember when alan rickman died i was i heard it on npr as breaking news first thing in the morning i was like you've got to be kidding me like i that still hurts especially watching this like it's like this is like yeah yeah he was snape for that that series that we don't really talk about anymore <laughs> he's Hans gruber but for me he's always uh sir alexander dane <laughs> yeah i mean he's he's had such a great career and he's so like i mean one of the weirder ones that i love him in is i love him in sweetie todd like i think he's a phenomenal actor anytime i see him i'm like okay great they've elevated whatever they're doing here mm-hmm and it's just such a shame to lose him. Dogma. Like I've got him on my wall over here on my dogma poster. Yeah. Um, man, I would have loved to see him work with Kevin Smith again. He would have been in the, in in the, the more recent Bob, uh, James Elliott Bob. Oh I yeah. I guarantee they would have got he, him back. They were supposed to yeah. do a few projects together. Um, oh. and it just never happened, but yeah, such a, such a great loss. Um, yeah. All right. Not, maybe not great. Huge loss. Uh, I think that's the words I was looking for. I, uh, I got it. <laughs> uh, so since since we're uh, since we're all sad now, um, <laughs> any Dude. final thoughts on Galaxy Quest? The the, the gags. Okay, so mm-hmm. there were plenty of times where the actors. Um, where the character actor, where the characters, actors, whatever, um, would mention about the show and working on it and then having to pretend my favorite gag of the whole thing. And then if, if you guys can think of one, you know, mm-hmm. or you know, whatever, um, is where they're in the bowels of the ship and mm-hmm. they have to get the timing right to get through the like flamethrowers and like the munchers mm-hmm. and then Sigourney Weaver, which I'm pretty sure they dubbed over again, uh, was, you know, who, whoever wrote this episode should die or something yeah. like that. Like those moments I loved mm-hmm. in this, because it showed again, like you've got actors, actors, normal people stuck doing something that they really should not be doing. Yeah. <laughs> They're really outside their depth. Um, was there, was there a scene that really like drove that home or, or was your favorite gag of like showing them that they really shouldn't be out there? (laughs) I mean, for me, like literally it was the, the leaving the hangar scene because the guy that was driving, it goes, ah, sucks to be him. Glad I'm not the captain. And I'm like, you have to drive this. Why are you making this joke? (laughs) Yeah. For me. Oh man. I think watching it the, the last few, like I watched this twice since we said we were doing this for the show. Um, I think it's the first time that Tim Allen's on the ship where he's just like, just fire everything. All right. I got to get home. Like, he just fires all of the weapons and like does some damage and it yeah. works. Um, yeah. Like just the, the passiveness of that. Like we just like, yeah, meh. Blow him up. Just, and then he does. Uh, that's yeah. probably the moment for me. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I I think I came to a realization today mm-hmm. about this movie. And it's not something I, I say lightly because I always have trouble with this question. Mm-hmm. But I think it's safe to say this is making it into the rotation of, hey, Alan, what's your favorite movie? I'm just going to start saying Galaxy Quest. Uh, I love this movie so much. Like it's just pure joy. Uh, it's so much fun with the performances and the great writing and just a solid story all around. Cause you have like dramatic moments, but it's funny. Uh, it gets silly. It gets gross in spots. Like, oh, that's not right. Like, <laughs> but yeah, I think this is, I think this is making it into the, Alan needs to find the poster for this movie and hang it on the wall club. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, I'm sorry. My, I, I found one online. And I was like, 
I said to my wife, can I buy this? She's like, no, <laughs> never enough. <laughs> never enough. Yeah. That's what the, I said. Uh, ne- never give up. Never stop buying movie posters. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the Blu-ray I have has, uh, has like a making of, which from the sound of it is pretty much just a rehash of that documentary that Alan was talking about, but just not as detailed. Um, but they interviewed um, a writer for the majority of a lot of the early Star Trek movies. And he pretty much said that this film struck the perfect balance between like parody and homage mm-hmm. because Aww. like it made fun of like it poked fun at the obvious silly things that everyone agrees on. But at the same time, it did it. It did it. Um, it, it did it in a very respectful way. Which mm-hmm. I feel like if they were able to turn this into a show earlier on, I feel like the space that the Orville takes up, mm-hmm. that space wouldn't have been there for that show to take up. This would have been that. Oh, wow. I think I could see that. Yeah, I think. This, I, yeah, I could definitely see that, it- too. Is this what the Orville is? Is the Orville basically just like a parody of Star Wars or Star Trek? I mean, the Orville's weird. From what I've seen of it, it's not a parody of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just Star Trek adjacent. Like it's not like a oh. Seth MacFarlane. It's not like a parody though. Like it's got funny moments to it, and he's kind of a smartass captain who's mm-hmm. who's funny at moments. But it's just Star Trek. Yeah. Oh. Like there's um there's two very active Star Trek groups that I'm a part of online. And when people talk about, you know, like the new Trek shows or whatever, people that aren't fans of like the new Trek stuff, they'll make a comment, be like, uh, I'll, I'll watch the Orville instead. Oh, weird. And, and just, um, and just like how on Star Trek.com, the official mm-hmm. website for the, you know, Paramount and for the show, I mean, for all the movies and the shows and everything, like they did a fan poll and like an official one. And this movie is like considered to be like the seventh or eighth best Star Trek movie ever made. Like it made that <laughs> list. The Orville would make that list as a show. Like enough okay. Star Trek fans consider Orville to be like, it's got the nineties Trek like storytelling down. Mm-hmm. To where a lot of the older 90s Star Trek fans would rather watch Orville than any of this new stuff. Wow. Because of the because of the way it does storytelling. That's what I'm reading. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah. Uh, and that that's fair. And I think part of that is it's a episodic show. Whereas mm-hmm. Star Trek now, up until like up until next week, has been very <clears throat> serialized. Like you could watch like in the nineties, you could watch episodes of Star Trek sporadically and understand what's going on. Now you have to watch it every week to know the story. They're returning to that with Strange New Worlds, which premieres next week. Um, mm-hmm. So that's exciting, and we'll probably talk yeah. about that in the near future because I'm like, I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's. I, I need to give the Orville a shot. I watched the first few episodes and enjoyed it. I just never got into mm-hmm. it. But is that yeah. everything for Galaxy Quest? I believe I so. Okay. Uh, next week is Ryan's pick. And now we're going to play a game, Devin. What's the game? All right. We're going to play a game. Uh, you have oh, to no. You have to guess which of the following is true about Ryan's pick next week. One. Okay. Okay. It is directed by Sam Raimi, who was directing Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. Or is it a baseball film with Kevin Costner? Or hmm. does it feature J.K. Simmons, who played J. Jonah Jameson in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies? Which one of those it's, is true? It's a baseball movie with Kevin Costner. False. It is all three no. of those. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's Wait, a ba- what? It's a baseball film directed by Sam Raimi that features J.K. Simmons. What movie is this? Brian, you want to tell For me? The love of, it is For the Love of the Game. Came out in 1999. Oh. And it is probably, and I'm just going to say this now, it is probably one of my favorite, um, like, it's in a category all of its own to me. It is my favorite 
baseball, romance, drama. Okay. Okay. It is in a category all of its own because I cannot think of another movie that I've seen that fits that. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not a comedy, that would be Bull Durham. <laughs> that would be Bull Durham. Yeah. I I told I asked Ryan weeks ago if he could do this pick for next week getting into Multiverse of Madness and yeah like it's been on the Google calendar which I now know you don't read um <laughs> Perfect. yeah so I messaged Ryan earlier today I was like oh we should mess with Devin and I figured out how to do it during the show so <laughs> yeah so I mean it's uh yeah and I'll get this now i wasn't going to tell you this because i wanted to be a surprise when he came up Mm -hmm. on screen but i'm just going to tell you now who it is because i want you to be excited for it yeah um john c Riley's in this literally his image came up when i google searched it i am so excited to see john c Riley in this and he plays a major league baseball catcher which is even funnier (laughs) is he funny in this or is this like early vince vaughn where he's like i could be an action hero no, his role in this is like slight comic relief to Kevin Costner's like serious facade for his character. Okay. So like whenever he deals with, you know, Riley, it's more or less a Riley because a, a relationship between a pet, uh, the catcher traditionally is supposed to be like the pitcher's like helper. Right. And that's what he plays. He's just John C. Riley. <laughs> How, how about, how about right. we talk about this next week on our show? Uh, no, 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 I know. I just, wait. I just wanted to. And he had a question, so I'm yeah. answering. You know, I'm just. Wanting, I, I want to go on a Sam. It. I want to go on a Sam Raimi kick before Multiverse of Madness. So this is going to kick it off, I think. Um, so yeah, tune in next week to hear us talk about the final Kevin Costner baseball film that Ryan has for us to watch. Um, we will and be you're going. Go Sorry. Ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> You're going to hear my sci-fi fan fiction that links all three movies together. Though. Awesome. Weird. So tune in next Tuesday, same time here on Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. You can also listen next day on your favorite podcasting app. Uh, you can vi- catch up on all of our old shows on our website, rumrunnerspodcast.com forward slash you have to watch this pod. Uh, special thanks to Long Lost Vibes for our theme song. Um you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and I believe that is it for You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And by Garthal's hammer, you shall be avenged. We'll see you next week. We need your views.